Hello. Thank you so much for listening. It is another episode of my podcast today. I'm excited that you are joining me today. I am thinking through some things that I've been I've been processing and you know, it's it's interesting. I, I always have so many different things that I want to talk about, and it sometimes it can take me a while to really drill down on this is what I'm going to discuss on this episode. And today, in fact, I haven't really settled on the name of the episode, but in general, I was I was thinking it through, and and and, and normally the podcast episode that I choose that I end up talking about it it's usually born out of what my clients are going through. It's usually born out of observations for things that I'm seeing happening, um, and so today is no different. I had several things that I wanted to talk about, but the one that I keep coming back to is this concept of surrounding yourself with truth tellers, and I'm going to dig into that here in a little bit later. Before I do that, I do want to uh, wish everyone a happy holidays and a Merry Christmas. Uh, it is the middle of December as I'm recording this episode, and it's pretty exciting. I, I We're about to end the year 2018, and a lot's happened for me. It's It's been pretty... It's been pretty wild, actually, when I think about it. I, I went from working for this really awesome company, they're still awesome, they're still incredible, to starting my own business called Good Advice, and my wife is also a business owner, and so we got a heck of a tax break on our mortgage because we each have a room that is our office, and so while I'm in my office and I'm on the phone or I'm on uh, the computer talking to a client or meeting people or maybe I'm... I, maybe my office is my studio temporarily, and I'm I'm basically uh, recording an episode or whatever I'm doing. She's in her office, and she is connecting with people, connecting with her students. Uh, she's a language instructor, language tutor, um, does private lessons. She's pretty incredible at it. Does a great job. And so we we are living the entrepreneurship life. Uh, I it's kind of interesting. I would never have thought that this would be the case for us. When we first met, we were camp counselors at a summer camp, and then we went on to, once we got married, uh, I was in school for my doctorate, and she was uh, working as a informations person for a local hospital, and so she was handling a lot of the paperwork, uh, Medicare and Medicaid filing, um, just a lot of um paperwork that she was handling while also working with uh, patients who were coming to the hospital, or really this was a clinic. And so flash forward to almost five years later, and both of us now are running businesses that wasn't really what either of us envisioned whenever we went to school and whenever we were growing up. I I didn't even know that my business, that from like a concept in terms of giving advice to business owners, entrepreneurs, coaching people. I, I, I never even knew that was really a thing, right? I just kind of always knew I wanted to help people and really felt fulfilled by elevating people to new levels of success. And the same thing's true for my wife. She's always been super passionate about language. Uh, she's lived in Bogota. She is fluent in a couple of languages and is a wonderful learner of other languages. Um, I mean, she's incredible. Whenever we have kids, uh, it's definitely going to be a home where 
Um, I, I just kind of, I wonder what language will be spoken because she is so uh, excited for uh, a number of different languages at any given time. And it's one of the things I love about her. It's what I really admire about her, right? That she can just engage into that and really um, uh, get fully involved into it and then share that passion with her, her, her uh, clients, right? Well, so yeah, we're ending the year and we're both business owners and it's just been really kind of a wild ride and especially my business specifically, it's been kind of a crazy, you know, I've been kind of just figuring this out as I go um, and just to see the business grow and develop and and start to have sort of these, these uh, glimmering uh, small windows of success where I see, wow, this thing can really work and it can really grow and I was looking at my podcast numbers, for example, and you know, I don't do a podcast. No one, no one pulled me aside and said, Hey, to grow your business, you need a podcast. It's just, it was kind of born out of this idea of being an extrovert and really in entrepreneurship, it's kind of lonely because suddenly you're not around as many people as you were before. And so I kind of just decided, you know, let me create a podcast. And I think this is episode eight, maybe it's, it's definitely we're under 10 and I was looking at the numbers last night, and we've hit around 300 listeners over the last 30 days, which is pretty cool that there's 300 people who've listened to what I've talked about. And so I don't know if that's a, I don't know if that's a scary statistic in terms of, oh no, what have I told these people to go do? Uh, but the way I see it, that's 300 people who ideally have been encouraged in some way, and in other ways have been motivated now to go on and do greater things, right? And I think that's I think that's important to recognize. And that's not that's not to stroke my ego. That's not to be arrogant. It's not to be narcissistic. It's it's the simple fact that we as people we have an opportunity to open doors and motivate and encourage other people to go on and do greater things. And when I say greater things, it doesn't necessarily mean like a new title, a new position, whatever. It's, 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 in the simplest form, it's quality of life. It's the value of their relationships. It's the people that they're imparting into and impacting upon for the better, right? And regardless of your job, your career, whether it's for-profit, whether it's non-profit, whether you are working uh, for a low-salary job or something that's paying you hundreds of thousands of dollars, you have an opportunity to impact people, Right. And more importantly, not only do you have that opportunity, but you are constantly engaging other people to have their own opportunities, right? And so my hope and my prayer is that people who've listened to my podcast have been motivated not only for they themselves to be more successful, but also, man, the mission would be that you yourselves would be going out and imparting into other people. You'd be impacting other people. So having said that, I want to jump into what I've been talking about today. I am going to, with the holiday season coming up, it it may not be quite so steady on the podcast front. Uh, Ideally, I love to get something put up maybe once a week or so. Um, I think it's been about 10 days since my last episode, but it's honestly, it's just been so busy. I've been working with a lot of incredible people and doing a lot for my business that it's been hard to just sit down and, and just talk for, you know, 30 or 45 minutes. And then also I don't, I don't edit this. I don't, I don't, um, 
practice it. I don't do like a dry run. And, and, and so in that, whenever I do my episode, I really have to be ready to talk about what I'm going to talk about. And really in the last week or so, I haven't, I haven't really been ready, but, but today I'm ready. I, I thought through kind of what I wanted to talk about. And I love thinking about this concept of truth tellers because it's something that I personally, I've experienced. I know times that I have felt most successful have been the times that I have had people around me who could tell me the truth. And it's interesting whenever I dive into this topic, because you might be thinking as you, as you think about a truth teller, I, I'm not talking about like uh, someone who's, you know, being around people who are going to lie to you versus those who do not, right? I'm not talking about people who are mistrusting or you can't trust them or they are just crummy people. I, I'm talking about surrounding yourselves with people who can point out your flaws, your mistakes, who can tell you the truth so that you can grow, develop, change, and ultimately have a greater impact than you're having today, right? I was having lunch with a guy today and we were talking about, uh, he's a professor at the University of Arkansas. He's an incredible person, phenomenal I mean, he just, just, I listened to him and I talked and I think for like 20 minutes straight, he, he just talked at me and I don't mean that negatively. Like I was like hanging on every word, feeling so encouraged by this person because he was talking about how, what else is there in life to do other than to have an impact on people, right? What is our obligation socially you know, obviously we have the need to provide for our family. We have, you know, and none of these things are bad, right? If anyone tells you that you should feel guilty for trying to earn a paycheck, they're oblivious, they're wrong, they're crazy. There's nothing wrong with developing your family, developing your name, what have you. But in terms of the longevity of your legacy, there's something to be said about what you're doing with your life. And what this professor would say and what I would agree with is our lives are largely meaningless outside of the impact we make on people. To be able to make that impact well, to be able to do that well, we need people who can coach us, guide us, and direct us so that we can actually be successful, right? Some of my best clients already get this, right? I mean, they already know they need me, but they already know they need people who can help them, right? And so if you're listening today, what I want to talk about is what does it look like to have truth tellers around you and also you yourself be a truth teller for someone else? What does that look like? What does that mean? What does it mean to actually encourage and point out and help people be more successful? And and, and I'm going to talk a little bit about personal life. I want to talk a lot about business because there have been significant moments in history from a business perspective where companies were on just the, they were on the pinnacle of incredible success and then today either no longer exist or they've lost the majority of their influence, market share, whatever you want to call it, simply because they did not surround themselves with truth tellers, right? In short, anytime you have an opportunity to give someone feedback, you have to jump on it. On the same token, anytime you have an opportunity to get feedback, you need to go for it, 
So the question becomes, why do we not give and receive feedback? Why don't we tell the truth? And why don't we look for opportunities to gain the truth, right? Now, I like to joke that sometimes we know that uh, the truth can be painful. We know that it can be not always great. We know that it can sometimes cause more trouble than it's worth, right? You know, and and then also there's just things to be said about being a good husband. When Joy says, my wife, when she says, does this make me look fat? I'm smart enough to not just let any truth fly out. Although she would tell a story and here's the deal. I'm I'm learning, okay? You know, we've been married for almost 5 years. I'm I'm learning what it means to be a good husband. I'm figuring it out. It's a journey. You know, you got to be patient with me. But she loved to tell the story about there was one time she was working. And this is when she was working for a restaurant. She was a a host for a, a really nice restaurant. She came home and she was wearing this dress. And I don't I don't remember it happening this way, but but according to her, what happened was she came in I looked at her and I said, this is according to her, I said, I hate that dress and I never want you to wear it again, which makes me sound like the worst human imaginable. And and I don't think I said it. I don't think I would say something that uh, mean, chauvinistic, rude, controlling. I, I don't think I would, but knowing how stupid marriage-wise I have been in the past and probably still am today... Maybe I did. I don't know. And so I've obviously, I've come a long way. I'm learning a lot. And so there's there's definitely times when, when giving feedback, when giving, saying a certain truth, maybe it's not the best way, it's not the best time, right? And sometimes it's not about timing. Sometimes it's, it's about the way you say it. But the reason I'm bringing up this topic of conversation is I've worked with a lot of companies where people have the opportunity to hear what their employees think, and they don't go for it. For example, I was working for a company where there was a staff of people, and they were all doing these 360s, which are, it's like an evaluation tool, but they're, they're all learning, they're all giving feedback to each other, you know, and they're writing things like your greatest strengths, they're writing things like your weaknesses, and they're exchanging feedback with one another. And what stood out to me was that the CEO wasn't part of it. Everyone else, literally every other position, even the C, the person right below the CEO, everyone was getting these feedback forms, but the CEO wasn't. They weren't engaged with it. They weren't jumping into it. And that really, that really struck me as odd, right? And, and we, you know, we had some conversations around it. It was, you know, so why, why aren't you getting the feedback that would probably be really valuable? Well, they don't really fully understand my position. They don't really understand what I'm doing. They're not CEOs. And and as I'm listening to this person, I'm realizing that this is someone who isn't genuinely wanting to grow. This is someone who likes the safety of their blind spots. They like the security of their blind spots. They are okay with being just good enough rather than exposing what they're weak at and embracing the discomfort of these are areas that I really suck at. These are areas that I'm really not good at. These are areas that are, you know, just I need to work on, right? Contrast that with 
a guy who's now retired, but who had worked with Procter and Gamble. And he talked about every time he got his evaluations, he would get his team together and he would put it, he would hand it out to all of them. Hey guys, these are things I need to work on. I want you to hold me accountable. These are the things that you've told me I'm not good at. These are the things that other people have told me I'm not good at. And I want you to hold me accountable. I feel like that person compared to the CEO I just mentioned, I feel like there's very different outcomes on their leadership, right? I mean, there's, it's imagine working for one of those two people. You know, you work for the person who is unwilling to hear your feedback versus the person who just puts it out there. Quite a bit more respect for the second one, right? And not just about, I'm not even talking about just respect either. I'm talking about results too, right? I feel like the second person is going to achieve so much more with their company than the first person will. See, see, what's really interesting is that everyone wants success, right? Everyone wants success. And this, this concept has really stuck with me from years ago when there was a person in my life who... I envisioned him as the epitome of success. He was a leader, a leader of a large staff. He was empowering. He had authority. When he spoke, people listened. This is someone who, whenever he said what needed to happen, people didn't question it. They just they just ran with it. And and it wasn't even just like the power aspect that was um, you know necessarily admirable. It was it was a level of respect people had for him. It was when this person speaks, I'm going to listen because I value their influence on me. I value their influence on the organization. I trust where this person wants this organization to go. Right? I mean, think about the best bosses you've ever had. What's interesting is that when people typically talk about their best boss, they don't say things like really great CEO or uh, really strategic thinker or um, could really communicate well. What people typically say when they talk about the best boss, they say things like empowered me, motivated me, made me feel valued, you know, made me, uh, I knew this person was in my corner. Strangely enough, you also hear comments like, was hard on me, meaning they held me to a standard, right? You know, they didn't let me, they made me put my best foot forward, right? So all of these things I would describe this person who I'm thinking of. Well, there was a time when his boss came in the room, and this was the founder of the company, and she was bragging on him for a minute. And then the tone changed because she said, you all have no idea what he has sacrificed to be in this position. And that always resonated with me because I, I, you know, (laughs) simply what I'm thinking is like, well, what do you, what did you sacrifice? Like, did you sacrifice a goat? I mean, did you, (laughs) did you sacrifice your firstborn? I mean, like, what is that? You know, so it's kind of a weird, kooky phrase used to describe someone, but anyone who's been in leadership in any form, you at least can relate a little bit because you understand that with your position, with your authority, with your influence, when we talk about success very literally, you can do nothing else than to tie sacrifice to it, right? It's, it's where this concept of servant leadership has come out of. It's, it's, in fact, there's a great quote from Nelson Mandela where who he, he basically talks about 
I'm giving my life over to my people and I'm placing it in their hands, which imagine if your boss said that to you, right? If you walked into the office tomorrow and your boss said, I'm, I'm handing my life over to you. I mean, you would think something's wrong with this person, but that's, that's kind of where this concept of servant leadership was born out of is that if you want to be great, you have to be willing to be the least and serve people, right? And so when we talk about the epitome of success, one of the most basic missteps that that people take is they envision this sort of quality of life. They envision being in this category of people. They envision all of these things that are simply, it's, it's like the Hollywood version of success. It's not very realistic. What is realistic as a boss or a CEO or a founder are things like sometimes having to put in like 60 to 80 hour work weeks. It's like sometimes getting up at four in the morning and being at the office till eight o'clock at night. It's like sometimes putting all of your needs on hold because you have a team member who is literally falling apart and because you're so desperately invested in them being okay and them being successful that you're willing to sacrifice your time, energy, needs, etc. so that that and, and and also on top of that sometimes even money, right? I think about people who they've they've uh there was one woman who she had to be out of the office for 2 weeks and the boss paid those 2 weeks now that person isn't producing right but the boss had determined i'm going to take care of my people and it's 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 interesting because you can't I can't really fully describe this concept of sacrifice because there's really, it's it's sort of this amorphous, hard to pinpoint exactly what I mean by it. But again, if you've been in leadership and you've, if you've led well, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? What I'm getting at though is that if you are really willing to be successful, one of the sacrifices you will have to make is to die to yourself and die to your ego to put that stuff away and be willing to grow, right? I just think about who I am today. I'm 31 years old. The success that I've had to this point on paper is pretty incredible, right? But as a person, I feel like I've just scratched the surface. I do not feel like a successful person. I feel like I'm someone, I'm still, you know, I'm 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 maybe one lap around on this track of life of this, you know, 30 lap run. And I feel like I've just scratched the surface, but I recognize that if I'm going to become the person who I want to be, I have to grow. And if I'm going to grow, I have to be someone who's willing to be told what I need to work on, who needs to be willing to be told this is a blind spot I have. And what kind of freaks me out sometimes is, is, is I think about who do I have in my life who are going, who are the people in my life who's going to grow me? Who are the people in my life who's going to tell me the truth? Because the bottom line is, I, I think, and maybe I'm just, I'm just projecting my lifestyle onto other people. I think sometimes we're more inclined to, to find people to tell us what we want to hear than to find people who can just be honest and tell us what is the hard truths, right? I think about the most, the, the, the most fulfilling relationships in my life have been other men who've told me, Blake, this is something you need to work on. 
This is something you're not doing a good job of, whether it's from a leadership perspective, from a husband perspective, uh, from just, just a professional perspective. The most fulfilling moments of my life have been when people have pointed out my flaws and said, Blake, you have to work on this. But this is not always the norm, right? I really feel like a lot of times we we enjoy finding people who tell us what we want to hear because it's frankly it's less painful. It's less stretching, right? It's like it's like the difference between being able to watch Netflix on the couch and go to the gym. One of those two things I'm going to pick every time because one of those two things it's a no-brainer for enjoyment. Of course, I'd want to be around people who tell me how awesome I am or who tell me I'm right or I vent a story to them and they say, oh, you're totally right. That person's crazy. Of course, I don't want to always be around people who are saying, well, you should have thought of it from a different way. But see, if I want to grow and if I want to be more successful in my influence and impact, I have to be around those people, right? And I want to tell I want to tell some stories that go along with this. I don't I don't want to just <laughs> I don't want to just scream about get around people who tell you you suck. I, th- there's been some really crazy examples of this in business where people have been unwilling to surround themselves with truth tellers, or they punish the truth tellers in their organization. And it's it's kind of shocking to me how even in some organizations where feedback is given anonymously, I've seen people still be unwilling to tell the truth, which is just crazy, right? I just think about, well, why? Why is that? And it's ultimately because that organization has a culture of get in line and do what we're saying we're going to do rather than tell me where I'm wrong and tell me where I need to avoid these bad decisions. And Because if you think about it from an organization standpoint, your business is just a handful of bad decisions away from bankruptcy. And that's not, I don't say that to freak someone out. I mean, it's its just that very realistically, there are decisions that I can be making today that if I'm not careful could, could send me down a path that will harm me significantly down the road. One example was a business who they made a decision to operate. I've ne- I have never since this moment ever heard of this again from like a business concept or from a, from any kind of financial standpoint. So I think they just made it up. But this business decided they wanted to operate on a zero sum uh, 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 profit and loss model, meaning that as they continue to operate, their main focus would be to raise enough revenue to match their expenses so that they would uh, not go into the red. And so if it costs $100,000 to run the business, then they want to sell enough product to make $100,000. And the person who created this, his idea was, if I can at least just cover my expenses, then I know that my business model works. And then down the line, we can focus on actually making some money. Well, he never made it down the line. I mean, if anyone who, I mean, you don't even have to be a business-minded person. I mean, you're probably just listening to this example and thinking this is the dumbest thing you've ever heard. And I'd probably be inclined to agree. I've never I've never heard of this model anywhere else other than this one company who is now bankrupt. They're no longer in business. They don't exist anymore. But so we as business owners, sometimes what can happen, though, is we get a piece of advice. We get a word of advice that steers us in a certain direction and without good coaching, without finding good truth tellers around us, we make these decisions that frankly, they doom us. 
right? I mean, they, they end us, they screw us. They, it's, it puts us on a path where it's, 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 you know, and it could be making risky decisions. It could be things that from an outsider's perspective are really obviously bad ideas. And I, and I've been thinking about this too, because I've seen businesses and, 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 and there's plenty of examples of this out here. I've seen businesses where they make a decision that is so obviously bad, right? They make a a decision that is so clearly bad that you can't help but wonder how in the world did you think this was a good idea? I was reading about a hedge fund manager who his job is basically to manage people's money and invest it according to uh, how they would like to make money in return. And so what I mean by that is he's, he's basically, they're handing him their money and then he's making investment decisions based on the levels of risk that they would be okay with, right? And so some people, maybe they're in retirement, they're making much more conservative investments and then other people are making, if they're younger, maybe it's much more risky investments because they have still much of their career to earn that money back if they lose it. Well, so this hedge fund manager has this idea and and it's nonsensical and it's probably because hedge funds aren't regulated and so he probably thought it wouldn't be a wor- the worst idea he was worth 75 million dollars and he lost all of that plus more in one day of trading in one day of investing a very bad decision he lost so much money that he not only lost his client 75 million dollars but he he actually his clients now owe money to the the trading companies that are calling now on the basically lost bet, right? And so I, th- I hear that story and I think about where were the people in this person's business that would stand up and say, whoa, this is a, this is a terrible idea. What are we doing? Kodak is no different, right? I mean, they they aren't a hedge fund, but you, you know Kodak. I mean, Kodak the uh, the camera company, right? And you think when you think of Kodak, you think about taking the picture and it spits it out the front, and you you flip it in the air, right, until it develops. Kodak had the patent for digital technology, and they buried it. No one's ever going to want this. Where was the person in Kodak who was going to stand up and say, "What are we doing?" This is a genius idea having digital. Why aren't we investing in this? But what happened was you had people on the executive team at Kodak who said, eh, it's probably not going to be a big deal. People are never going to go digital. It's a fad, whatever. Bury it. Put it in our vault somewhere. It's not going to happen. I don't even know if Kodak's still in business, right? Uh, I'm trying to think of other examples. Um, Razor, uh, excuse me, Motorola. The who had the razor phone. I think about when I was uh, when I was in college. I had a, a razor phone, and and everyone who had a razor phone, it was like suddenly you were the coolest person in the world. It was like you know they were so sleek, and it was like the cool part of having a flip phone. Well, as you may know, at the turn of the decade of 2010 is around when the Apple iPhone launched. Interestingly enough, Motorola had already caught wind of Apple releasing the smartphone and they totally ditched it as an idea. They had things, they had conversations like who would really want a computer as a phone? The whole smartphone concept is nonsensical. Who's who's really going to want 
a computer phone. I mean, come on, let's be realistic. Flash forward to four years later, something like 2014, they launched their own Razer smartphone type product. And by then it's too late, right? It's too late. And so I think about these companies. I feel like I'm a smart person, but I feel like these companies have people that are exponentially smarter than I am. I mean, we're talking astronomically. We're talking like salaries in six figures, hundreds of thousands of dollars spent on analysts, strategic decision-making, having the right people in the room. I mean, we're, we're talking about qualified people, right? I mean, we, it, there, there's no other way to think of it. I mean, this isn't some random person who came in from the street. These are companies that are worth billions of dollars who are hiring the smartest of talent and yet making decisions that are so astronomically dumb and stupid that now in hindsight, they are the epitome of the examples taught in business school of what not to do. So, so, so where's the misstep? How could this be happening? How could, how could they be spending so much money and getting such a bad result? I honestly feel like the mistake is in the truth telling. I think it's organizations that don't reward truth telling, that don't find the truth tellers in their company. I think that it's, it's, it's organizations. Wells Fargo is a really great example. You, they're, they're making, which if you aren't familiar with Wells Fargo in the last five years, uh, have been fined and are continue to being, to have been being fined for, uh, essentially fraudulent, fraudulently opening accounts in people's names in order to essentially make their company look a lot better than it is. And what has come to find out, what, what we've come to find out afterwards is that people who called their ethical hotline or, or whatever you want to call it, people within their own company who said, this is wrong. What are we doing? Well, those people ended up being fired. And so you have some companies that are very clearly, they are maliciously punishing truth-telling. In other cases, some things that I hear is that, or things that I see is that some companies, they have a culture, they, they say they love honesty, but really their philosophy is, I need you to get in line or else you're not a team player. Or I hear things like, well, that person's just a bad culture fit. They're not a bad culture fit. You just don't like what they're saying about your idea, right? And there's a difference. I mean, sure, there's people in, in organizations who aren't good culture fits, who, who they aren't a good fit for what's happening in that company. But then there's other people who, rather than being seen and, and promoted for innovative thinking, for challenging the way things are done, you know, it's kind of like one of my biggest pet peeves is when someone speaks out against a certain process and the response is, well, that's just how we've always done it. That's basically saying something like we've never rewarded a truth teller for telling us this was a really stupid idea. And now that you're telling us this is a dumb idea, I'm going to discredit you by saying you're not a team player, you don't understand our culture, or that's just the way we do things here, right? To me, that's, that's, that's what the misstep is, right? It's the only way that these incredibly phenomenal companies could go on to make really bad decisions. It's, it's by not rewarding people telling the truth, people who can challenge them, help them, and grow them.
right? And it's, I think it's because in general, we, we hate conflict. You know, we learn at a young age that conflict is bad when, when really it, it isn't. Sometimes conflict is how we grow. It's, 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 and I'm talking about productive conflict, right? I, but it's, 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 it's hard to have the conflicting conversation where we get out there that the way we're having a tough time with one another, it's much easier to just complain about that person at the water cooler or, well, I guess, I don't know what the 2018 version of the water cooler is, you know, to text someone and complain about what so-and-so said to you that day, right? I mean, I, I, I think about, I had a friend of mine who, te- who we were talking and he was like, you know, man, my boss says I'm kind of entitled and that I, I'm not willing to see other perspectives. And I remember thinking, well, yeah, that's, that's kind of true, right? <laughs> or even some people that I've coached before, I'm coaching someone and I see something they need to develop and grow into. And as we're talking about it, they say, yeah, so-and-so, my boss from two years ago had told me this and sent me to, or actually one, that, <laughs> there was one that was really funny. I was coaching a guy and it was basically, a, he was a boss who was very, he, he was very unempathetic to his employees and he even like, and I, I wasn't even provoking anything. He was talking about his average conversations with an employee and he was talking about how an employee might come into his office and he was telling me, he'd say something like, you know, and I'm just so annoyed that they're interrupting what I'm doing. So I'll just purposely keep typing away at the computer so that they get the hint to leave me alone, which as you probably know, is one of the worst things you could do in terms of valuing your employees. And so we're talking about this. We're talking about this concept of, you know, what does it mean to really listen and get value and give value? And it's not, it's not about feel good stuff. It's not like, you know, oh, I, my, my, I listen to my employees. They like me. It's, it's you're, you're listening and communicating so that now that person feels like they have an opportunity to be more productive because they've opened a line of communication with their boss, right? Well, so we're talking about it, and I, I asked him a question about just being a good listener, and he's like, "Yeah, I know quite a bit about that. My boss sent me to like a listening conference. It was like it was called like Listening and Leadership, and it was like a week long conference in Chicago. and And I'm listening, thinking like, "Wow, so he sent you to that, and you still have not." <laughs> so sometimes we're we don't even you know we're, they're called blind spots for a reason, right? We we can't even see the mistakes that we're making, right? But I think in general, when it comes to conflict, we have to be willing to have the hard conversation, even when we don't know how to do it. And I think it's like, it's like going to the gym for the first time, right? I mean, think about, think about a time in your life where you go to the gym and you haven't been in a long time and, and it's, it's awkward, right? I mean, you, you can't help but think someone's going to come by and say, Hey, why are you using that those those set of weights that way that's not how you're supposed to use it and and maybe like you know they have like the pictures on the side of like the weights on the machines where you can see how to use it the right way but you know you can't really read it otherwise you'll look like you don't already know and so you go to the gym trying to be super confident but at the same time feeling really awkward because you're thinking like I don't even really know what I'm supposed to be doing here right and it isn't until you go at a continual pace and you actually learn it and you actually figure it out that it becomes natural, becomes second nature. You know, suddenly you're on the machine and you know exactly which muscle is getting built from this machine and you know exactly how to have the right form so that that's the muscle that's being grown, right? Conflict is no different. If you are bad at conflict, 
That means that you have an opportunity now to work that muscle, to flex that muscle, and yes, it will be awkward. Yes, it will be uncomfortable, but you have to do it because your success depends on it, right? Eliminating those blind spots only happens through honest, candid conversation, and I think about, I was working with one company where we had a, we had a whole, it's like a 90 minute conversation. It was all, it was with their senior leadership team as a CEO and like, um, eight or nine of, of her staff. And we had a really lengthy conversation on candidness and conflict and like how to navigate that in a way that actually opens the door to being more productive, more profitable, more successful. And they were totally gripped on it. It was like, yes, makes so much sense. Well, literally like three days later, I was having a coaching conversation with one of these staff people and she's telling me about one of the other staff people and how they never get along and how this person's so hard to work with. And so naturally I ask, well, have you talked to her about it? Well, no, I couldn't talk to her about it. And so I'm just kind of laughing internally because I'm thinking we've just talked about, about having conflict and being candid. Why aren't you actually doing that? And so that's what I actually said to her. I said, this is now what it looks like to actually live this thing out. I know it's great as a concept, but you have to actually now live this out, work this out and do it, right? You got to actually do it. You know, in general, when you're thinking about the level of growth you want to have as a person, it means that you have to be willing willing to welcome those hard conversations where people point out, you're missing it here. You're not doing a great job here. And if you don't have those friends who are honestly doing that for you, that means you need to seek it out. I'll never forget. I was, I was talking to a guy and I just kind of felt this need to ask him what I could be working on. I didn't want to ask him, you know, I didn't want to ask him, Hey, what I need to improve on. But I remember I, I felt like I needed to do it. And so I asked him, Hey, what, you know, what do you see in me? What do you see things I need to develop and work on? And And he had something for me. He had a truth for me. And I I think back to that moment and I don't regret it, you know, and it, and I get it. It's hard. It's hard to be faced with your shortcomings. It's hard to be faced with areas that we're not doing great at, but it is literally the only way we grow and be more successful. Companies where the truth is not respected, they do not make it long-term. They can't make it long-term. It's not possible. The same thing is true for our personal lives. We cannot make it and be successful long-term without people who help us stay in our lane, who help us fine-tune, develop, grow, and so on. And I think the epitome of this, I have a couple who um, is friends with my wife and I, And we were talking to them about just marriage and they have an incredible marriage, really awesome, wonderful people. And we were talking about kind of what was the turning point Uh, because they they themselves were talking about how the start of their marriage wasn't really that great or the start of their relationship really wasn't that great. And the wife was telling a story about how dumb her husband was and which he was pretty dumb. And she was telling some of her friends about how dumb he was being. And her friends were saying things like divorce him, man. He's so dumb. He's an awful husband. He's terrible. You need to get, you just need to get rid of him. Seriously, divorce him. 
Well, she had one friend who actually she was she was venting to, and her friend turned it on her and basically said, it sounds like you need to be a better listener to him. It sounds like you're not really being someone who's loving of him. And start, she started to kind of turn this on her and didn't tell her what she wanted to hear, instead started telling her things she needed to grow and develop in. And at the time, you know, if she's like, what's your problem? You suck as a friend. Like, this is not what I wanted for you. But what's interesting is now that they have this really beautiful, awesome marriage, they have two kids, just great, great people. She points to that conversation as being a main reason for their success. You know, rather than finding people who would just tell her what she wanted to hear, she found someone who challenged her, developed her, and forced her to be better. And you know, it's just, it's interesting to me because I, I have a lot of, I, I, in general, my business model, I mean, it's paid coaching, but I have some people who I coach for free, who I give free advice to. And a lot of those are entrepreneurs. A lot of them are new starters or new startups. And they're just, they're just looking for some direction. And, and I, I just love to help. Right. And so, so for some of these people, it's interesting how sometimes I run into people who they don't even realize how badly they've been lied to only because they've surrounded themselves with people who they've looked for people to tell them what they wanted to hear, which gives me the really awkward job of pointing out the things that they probably don't want to hear. And so I'll have someone who will say, I have this business idea and it's incredible. It's going to be better than Amazon. And I say, wow, that's quite the claim, you know, better than a trillion dollar company. And they say things like, yeah, all of my friends tell me it's a great idea. Well, yeah. I mean, that's why they're your friends, right? What would be more valuable for you is to find people who can help you see what you don't see so that you can actually realistically take this to being a profitable company. Whether you're a business owner, whether you're just, you're just someone who you're just trying to grow in general as a person, the best avenue to do that is finding truth tellers who can help you see it. Again, it's hard to be faced with your shortcomings, but this is how we grow. It's how we develop. It's how we press forward. It's how we have an actual legacy of impact, right? Which you're building your legacy right now. It's not something that once you're retired, you know, hey, I think now I'm going to focus on building my legacy. How you will be remembered, very literally, that's being created right now, right? And so I know for me personally, I am desperate to find the people who can tell me the truth, help me grow so that I can, as, as crummy as it feels, to get the truth, but people who can help me see it so that I can grow, develop, change, and make a better impact. I want to encourage the same thing for you. Don't be someone who's content in your blind spots because ultimately that is a life of unfulfillment. It is, it is the person, it, it's, I feel like it's the epitome of the person who gets to the middle of their life and they realize, oh my gosh, what have I done with my life? It's really nothing of significance because they were unwilling to see and hear what people were pointing out, what they were saying, what they were showing to them. So what that means is the next time someone gives you some hard feedback, Instead of just discounting it or discarding it or saying this person has no idea what they're talking about, what's their problem, this person's crazy, maybe there's a little bit of truth to it. Maybe it's worth it to eat the fish and spit out the bones, to take what you can from it, right? 
Maybe that's, maybe that's, it wouldn't be too bad of an idea. Because ultimately, you know, we only got one life, so we got to make the most of it. And that means having people around you who can help you do that well. All right, that is all I got today. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, I'm looking forward to my next episode. I'm gonna try to have it up and running a little bit at a faster pace than this episode from the last one. Uh, As always, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening, and I will catch you later. See ya.